This is the Thoughts from a Page podcast, where I interview authors about their latest works. Listen to what inspired the storyline, how their covers and titles were chosen, their personal connection to the story, and other fascinating tidbits about the authors themselves. My name is Cindy Burnett, and I love to talk about books. I can be found on Instagram and Pinterest at Thoughts from a Page. And if you have any comments about the podcast or feedback from me, I can be reached at Cindy H. Burnett at att.net. Pamela Redman is the New York Times bestselling author of more than 20 works of fiction and nonfiction, including Younger, How Not to Act Old, and 30 Things Every Woman Should Have and Should Know. She started publishing novels, co-founded the world's largest baby name website, Nameberry, got divorced, moved from New Jersey to Los Angeles and changed her name, all after the age of 50. The mother of three and grandmother of one, Redmond's website is PamelaRedmond.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, Pam. I'm really looking forward to talking with you about older and about younger. Great. It's great to be here, Cindy. Thank you. How's everything going for you today? Everything is okay, but I'm in LA, and so besides the pandemic, we have smoke filling the air, so that's not so pleasant. But um, as a writer, I spend all my time sitting inside in a room anyway, so <laughs> kind of keeps keeps my butt in the chair. Oh, I'm really sorry. I just feel like 2020 has just been a year. Oh, I know. It's unbelievable. Well, we can talk about something happier because I thought older was so much fun <laughs> yes. to read. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so why don't you tell me a little bit about it? I know it's going to take a bit of talking about older and then younger and then the TV show. So I just would love to hear about it all. Thank you. I think a lot of fans or people who are interested in reading the book know about the whole world of younger via the TV show. The original novel Younger was published in 2005. It was optioned many times by many producers until Darren Starr came along, I think originally in 2013, and actually got the show made. So the show has finished its sixth season, and Darren was just quoted recently as saying the seventh season, which hasn't been shot yet because of the pandemic, would be the last. So people are familiar with the world of the television show and the situation, of course, and many of the characters are from the original book. So that would include Liza, her best friend Maggie, her work friend, her younger work friend Kelsey, her younger lover Josh, and her daughter Caitlin. Those are the characters who are in the TV show who are also in the book. And so those are the characters whose story I tell in older. Well, I first learned about Younger because I'm a huge Sutton Foster fan. I have mm. seen her on Broadway so many times in different shows. And when she's in television shows, I usually follow those shows too. And so that's how I stumbled across Younger. And I love it. And then I went back and read the book. It's just such a fun, clever premise and just a fun show and great book. Thank you. Yeah, I, I know. I was so thrilled when Darren Starr told me that Sutton Foster had been cast as the lead because I'm also a huge fan and had seen her on Broadway. And I was just like, oh my God, I, this, I was excited that my book was being made into a show, but being made into a show with her, I just, I just thought, oh, that is so perfect. And I don't know whether you're aware of this, but she narrates the audiobook of Older. So that really ties everything up in a really beautiful way, I think. 
Oh, that's so fun. I didn't know that. So now I'm going to have to actually listen to it too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to listen to the whole thing because we're not out driving around all the time. But yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about that. I think it's particularly great that she is the star of the show because she came to her TV career relatively late in life. And so I've always felt like she really was Liza in some ways because she first of all, really was in her 40s. And she was a relative newcomer to the world of television, which is really unusual for an actress over 40 to get one of her first starring roles on TV. And Hilary Duff, who is playing the character Kelsey, who's on the other side of that, is a relatively younger actress who has had a long career. And that kind of fits with that character in terms of the theme, who plays a woman in her 20s who's very eager to take on all the very grown-up parts of life. Yes, they almost kind of flip-flop, like one wants what the other has and vice versa. Yes, yes. So did you Um, have a say in casting or the script or anything else related to the television show? No, the rights issues involved in book being adapted as a television show are very clearly delineated. And so the producer or the network, whoever options your show, in this case, Darren Starr and Viacom, which is TV Land's network, they really buy all the rights to the everything having to do with the book. So they can do whatever they want with it. And and try to maintain a pretty strict division because if they don't, then it gets very kind of messy of who really owns that story, who really owns that character. So when I wrote Older, I was restricted to using only the characters who were in the original book. And I actually went back to Darren and asked him if I could have permission to use the names that he uses on TV because he switched a couple of the characters' names. In the original book, Liza was named Alice and Kelsey was named Lindsay. He said, yeah, I think people would be really confused if he did it any other way. But I used that name switch thing in the plot of Alder, which, of course, is this meta look at what happens when Liza writes a Romana Clef about her life pretending to be a millennial, which is called, and calls it Younger. And then Kelsey tries to make Younger into a television show. I just loved that. I thought it was so much fun trying to follow the threads, which I did follow, but it was just such a clever way to do it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think it, you know, some people online in uh, Younger fan groups have said, uh, oh, I don't want to read it because spoilers. And I've been trying to reassure people uh, there are no spoilers. The action in this book takes place kind of after whatever happens after (laughs) After whatever could happen at the end of the television show. It's five years later. And also in a weird way, it happens before the television show. And you've read the book, so you understand what I'm talking about. Sutton Foster is actually a character in the book, as is Darren Starr. And without actually giving you any spoilers, the television show has not been made yet. So it's kind of a sequel and kind of a prequel at the same time. I love that. And I'm sure that took some planning on your part to kind of have it <laughs> straddle both. Yeah, that was, it was a real challenge to write a sequel to a book that's the basis of a really successful TV show 
was very challenging. And for a long time, I, I really didn't see how it could be done without, especially because Charles was not my character and the Charles, Josh, Liza triangle has been such a big part of the show and resolving that storyline would seem to be really the resolution of the show. Liza's secret has long since been let out. So it's not really about somebody pretending to be younger, keeping a secret anymore, but more about her making some big decisions about what's in the future for her life. In older, those decisions are far behind her and she's faced with a new set of decisions. Well, I think you did it perfectly. And I think people that pick up the book will definitely agree with that. Oh, thank you. So has the television show changed things for you? Yeah, I think it's changed things pretty radically. If you have a book that's a big bestseller that gets made into a television show or a movie, you're in a situation where everyone's kind of knows your book, you're famous as a writer, maybe your book is famous, and it's compared to the movie. But that wasn't the situation. Younger was a fairly successful book, but by the time the television show came out, it had been published 10 years before. Really, a lot of people don't even, didn't know or remember that there was even a book involved. So it was something that people discovered the book or discovered me after the television show. And some people are only discovering it now, really, with the publication of older. People are saying like, oh, wow, there's a sequel, but I didn't even know there was the first book. So I'm having a lot of people reading both. It's definitely raised the profile of my career. It was some of the reason that I moved from the East Coast to Los Angeles, not to work on the show, but because that door had opened for me in some ways to the world of television and film, which is very mysterious to people in the book world. And I was going through Eliza passage of my own where I had gotten divorced after a long marriage and I was looking for a big change. And I took on something very new, which was moving clear across the country to a new city, trying to make new friends in a new world. And that was challenging. We moved a lot when I was young, and moving is challenging. You know, you have to kind of start over again. But I think the great thing about it is it teaches you a lot about what it's like to be on the other side, you know, having mm-hmm. to come into a new place and make friends. And I think it helped me make me a more welcoming person when people are new to my area. Yeah, that's a really great point. I moved a lot in my marriage. My husband worked for a news agency, and we lived in London for a while, and we lived in the Bay Area for a while as well as the New York area. I was keenly conscious of that because most places, especially after you have children and you're living a family life, are relatively stable. A lot of people live near where they grew up. Their whole family is there. Their friends from first grade are there. (laughs) A lot of people don't want to scoot over and make room for the new person. So it's kind of nice when you're aware of what that feels like to be the one who's scoots over and says, come on, the new people add a new kind of energy and dynamic to your life. So I I like being on both sides of that. I agree completely. Both younger and older address the issue of age, which is an ongoing issue for women in particular. What draws you to that theme? 
Uh, that's such a great question. I think like a lot of women who, I hate to use the word struggle because it sounds so negative and so active, but I think in fact, a lot of women do struggle between career and children. And we all know how difficult it is or impossible it is to do both at full speed. So when I was in my 40s, I was thinking, okay, my kids are finally in school. I've always wanted to write a novel. I was a magazine writer, but pretty part-time. And I want to do something new. I want to finally do this thing that I've always wanted to do, which is write novels. And so I was a newcomer at the same point where a lot of the people in my writing classes I was taking were, you know, 22 or 23. I mean, half my age, literally. It's funny because I just started taking a new class yesterday, which is a lyric writing class and a musical book writing class starts today. And I was so nervous because again, I'm the newcomer and doing something I have no idea how to do. And I'm interested in this because there's been a lot of interest in turning Younger into a Broadway musical, which of course would be so perfect. With so Sutton. cool. I'm like, oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't fancy myself a songwriter, but I'm really interested to know how is a musical put together versus a novel versus a magazine story. They're all different formats. So I think that trying something new or entering a new world at an older place in life is one reason that I'm interested in age as a theme. Another reason is my mother died when she was fairly young. She got sick in her 40s and died at 61, which for me, what, you know, really always kind of created this feeling of the clock ticking, that that time was limited and that I had to be conscious of what I wanted to do and to try to do it before time ran out. When I turned 61, that was the year that I left my marriage and moved to LA. I hadn't even, seems kind of evident from this point of view, but I didn't realize how powerful that age was to me until I was I found myself really making all these changes. So I think in terms of a very personal, very deep place of meaning, that's that's what makes age so powerful. That's interesting that you say that about the age that your mother was at when she passed away. Mm-hmm. I've had several friends that have had the same issue, you know, lost a parent at 49 or 52 mm-hmm. and getting through that particular year for them was mm-hmm. stressful and kind of in their head the whole time, like, am I going to make it past this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the big question, of course, connected to that. And there's another issue of role models of seeing a parent or of not seeing a parent get older. And and that, I think, limits your own vision of yourself as an older person, but maybe also frees you up to invent that for yourself. What 60 or 70 or 80 looks like is something that you don't have a role model for, but you can kind of make it up at the same time. You're freed of any expectations that may explicitly or implicitly be handed down through your family. You can chart your own course for those years. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. That put it, that was putting it very well. <laughs> well, I like that. I hadn't really thought about that either before. That's an interesting way to view it. Uh, you know, I have friends. I mean, I'm in my late 60s, and I have a lot of friends who are my contemporaries who have 
very vital mothers who are 90, 95, who are still going strong. They kind of take it for granted that they have 20 or 25 or 30 years left. I have never felt that. Uh, (laughs) I've never felt that even now. But I feel that I am living these years in some ways on behalf of my mother, like she never got to have this piece of life, which really makes me sad to even say it, that she missed so much in terms of meeting her grandchildren, you know, seeing seeing me get old, you know, just enjoying all the things that do come from getting older. And I feel like it's sort of, I have like this universal mandate to appreciate this point of life and really make the most of it, not just glide through it, because not everybody gets it. And to honor her, I guess, as you continue on. Yes, yes. Do you have a favorite book of those that you have written? It, it is like asking someone to pick among their children. So I, I'd have to say no, but I'm a writer who really, my favorite part of the whole process is actually sitting there writing. So my favorite is always what I wrote today. I always feel like this is like the greatest thing ever. And the minute a lot of writers have this experience, the minute it leaves my computer, if I send it to my agent or I send it to my writing group, I'm full of doubt. And so once a book is between the covers, I mean, it's kind of like your kid even, you know, they're out of school, they've left home. And really, I don't, I don't want to hear any criticism of it or even think of it in, in a really analytical way. It's like, it's fully baked. <laughs> it's great. And that's all I want to think about. Well, and once it's gone out into the world, I mean, you can't make any changes anyway. So that's a great way to view it. Right. Someone online said um, something like, I said, I hope they enjoyed older. And uh, they said, well, I'll give you feedback. And I was like, no. (laughs) The only feedback feedback. I want to hear is, yeah, you're like, the only feedback I want to hear is, I loved it. (laughs) Exactly. I guess you've heard that before. Yeah, exactly. What about a favorite character? I have to tell you, I loved Stella in this book. She had so many great lines, like the homeschooling one really stayed with me. It was so hard for me to send my sixth child to school, so I decided to homeschool them all. And Liza says, wow, that seems like a lot of work. And she's like, yes, I hired 10 teachers. (laughs) I was like, that's not really homeschooling. So she was great. Yeah, she was so much fun to write. You know, writing a character like that who's kind of like um, the sort of very broad villainous or uh, it's just so much fun to inhabit her. You know, in some ways, she's the person that we all want to be like our evil twin. (laughs) So I love her too. The funny thing about Stella uh, that no one knows because Stella was a character in an older book that I wrote. Actually, after I wrote Younger, I wrote a book called Suburbanistas that was about an actress going back to her hometown after her mother dies and ending up staying there and reconnecting with her oldest friend. So it was kind of a, her, and her name was Stella Power. So when I started writing this Stella, I named her Stella Power just because that's who I thought of as my actress character. And I, I always thought, oh, I'll change that name at some point. And I never did. So I like it that Stella has like a secret, a secret previous life that was also created by me. 
Well, she had the best lines. I mean, every time she's pretty much <laughs> opened her mouth, I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Are you working on anything at the present that you would like to share oh, with me? Yes, I am. And that is my favorite thing, of course, that I'm working on. I'm working on a new <laughs> novel called The Matriarch. And it's about a woman who is 61, not coincidentally. She's just, it starts with her throwing herself a big 61st birthday party. And she intends to tell all the assembled guests that she is going to set off and finally set off on her own path and do what she wants with her life and not what's good for her family. And as you might guess, even from that description, things don't go as she's planned. But she was a teenage single mother, started a company that became hugely successful, lives with her extended family, her three sons and their families on a big estate in Montecito, um, California, which is where Harry and Meghan just moved and where Oprah has a house and Reese Witherspoon. So I'm really loving being in this world of, uh, of the matriarch. Do you have a timeline for that one when it might be out? <laughs> You're anxious to read it, I hope. I am. It sounds good. <laughs> uh, you know, it's at my publisher right now. I've written about a third of it. So it's at my publisher right now. So I hope they say we love it and we want to publish it. And even if I wrote it very, I guess at this point last year, I was really working hard on Older, which I finished in January, February. It was a very quick timeline. So I would guess maybe spring of 22. That makes sense because it also seems like things have really slowed down timetable wise Mm. with the pandemic. Yeah, definitely. And fall is traditionally a time for big nonfiction books, which is true. It's true right now, too. We timed the publication of Older to coincide with the last episode of this season of Younger, which was supposed to happen in early September. And we did that consulting Darren Starr and Keith Cox, who's the uh, president of TV Land. And then older, they, I mean, younger, they couldn't shoot it at the very last minute. They were supposed to start shooting in New York in March and they had to stop, you know, they they couldn't go forward. So, um, and younger was already scheduled. So we just decided to go forward. But a lot of books that come out in the fall are the big, serious Trump kind of books. and, And I'm sure that'll be true next year as well. Well, and I didn't realize till I have a friend who has a book coming out in December that when there's a big election like this, that they don't really put a lot out in the election month. And so that that's kind of impacting, you know, what would be coming out anyway. And then they're still continuing to defer a number of things because there was a book I was looking forward to that actually was coming out in November and it's now not coming out till February. So it definitely Um, seems like there's still some pushing back going on. mm -hmm. Right. Because the book just gets lost in all the election news and the sort of more serious things people are are thinking about. But in terms of older and the kind of interest and excitement that there has been around that, I feel like people are also really hungry at this point in time for something light and something fun. I know that when I turn on the TV or when I pick up a book, I often want something that's really going to transport me someplace new and take me away from all the troubles of the current world. Oh, I agree completely. Funny things are the best cure for what we're going through to, like you said, just take us to a different world right now and not what's happening in our everyday lives. 
Yeah, a TV show that uh, I guess a lot of people also discovered this during pandemic, but I really got into watching the show uh, Schitt's Creek. I don't, I don't know if you've ever watched <laughs> it. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> really? I mean, yes. It's, and it's kind of not my thing so much, you know, very arch, but I, I think that the situation of this family trying to make the best of living in a world that is really uncomfortable for them is something we're all feeling, something we can all weirdly identify with right now, probably has a lot to do with the real popularity of that show. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but I think you're right. We had started watching it before the pandemic and we picked it back up and finished it. But I love Alexis. She's just so funny. Yes, me too. She's my favorite too. <laughs> I just, her lines are great. She's such a fun character to write. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, she'd be like Stella. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. Well, before we wrap up, I would love to hear what you have read recently that you really liked. Well, one book that I loved is The Exiles by Christina Baker Klein. Christina and I are friends. We have traded pages with each other. A lot of people, of course, know her through Orphan Train. The Exiles is a big, sweeping historical novel about women who are sent to Australia in the 19th century, and it's just amazing. And so that's one I recommend. And another book I recommend, I'm in a group of writers, most of whom are on the East Coast. We've been meeting for maybe 10 years. And I wasn't able to meet with them because they would meet in person. And I didn't want to be the little figure on the phone over in the corner. But now we're meeting via Zoom and we read books and talk about them in the context of our own writing. And something we read recently that we all just couldn't say enough great stuff about was Alice McDermott's novel, Someone which is not a new novel, and she's a wonderful writer who's won a lot of prizes, but it's just like a really just beautiful, such an emotional, transporting book. I wouldn't say it's a happy book, but it's a book that I always was excited to pick up every night. I have not read that one, but I always hear great things about her. And then with respect to The Exiles, I want to read that. I loved The Orphan Train, so and I keep hearing great things about The Exiles, so I need to get to it. Definitely. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I thoroughly enjoyed talking with you and hearing more about older and younger and all of it. Me too, Cindy. Thanks so much for um, having me on, on your show. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you like this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. Pamela's book can be purchased at Murder by the Book, where I work part-time, and the link is in the show notes. Thanks to KP Regan for the sound editing, and I hope to see you next time. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.